What have you got there, mate? Just a glass of wine. All right. How is it? It's all right, I guess. I mean, obviously, it's not really delicious, like a pint from Beer 52. Well, it's a good job that this episode of Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is sponsored by Beer 52, the world's number one beer club. With Beer 52, you'll receive a case of beer every month featuring craft beers from all over the world, including Belgium, California, New Zealand and more. As well as getting eight free beers, you'll also receive the award-winning magazine Ferment, as well as a couple of different snacks. Perfect for a night in, or an innocent picnic in the park. For the last time, it was a picnic. You couldn't see the snacks. We had two different types of snacks. Best of all, you can pause or cancel your membership at any time, so you don't need to worry about the ombudsman coming to get you if you want to take a break from your membership. So seriously, what are you waiting for? If you want to get started with a free case of beer, head to beer52.com forward slash peep to access your first case for free. Eight beers, Beer 52. Eight. That's insane. All you need to do is pay the £5.95 for postage. And don't worry if you're not a fan of dark beers, there is a light option available. So that's beer52.com forward slash peep to get your first Beer 52 case for free. Poor me. Poor me. Pour me another glass from Beer 52. Cheers. Cheers. Welcome to Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs, a podcast all about discussing and reviewing the British sitcom Peep Show. My name's Tom Harrison and I'm joined by Rob Graham. Hello! As we're in between series, we're here with our second character bio special this week. And this is something we're really excited to get back into as we progress through the podcast. This is when we take a look at one character in particular and discuss everything about them. Um, It's just quite a nice way of mixing things up a bit. Now, of course, we were teasing for a while that we had something special lined up for the end of series special, and we announced at the end of this series three that we'd be taking a look at everyone's favourite business guru, Alan Johnson. Uh, but this is an extra special episode, though, in that we had the chance to have a chat with Mr. Patterson Joseph, the man behind the legend, and talk about what makes Johnson tick and just how it was to play such an interesting character. So we'll be discussing his background, um, his relationships, the key moments throughout the show, as well as gathering some of your opinions on what you like or, if it's possible, dislike about the character. So be sure to listen until the end of the podcast because we'll share with you our chat with Johnson himself, which we're really pleased with and we can't thank Patterson enough for his time. If you like this sort of episode and want us to do more, then we'd love to hear from you and let us know who you'd like to record specials on. Try and be realistic. And uh, we'll obviously aim to do the, the main cast, but if um, there are any others that you think are worth us taking a look at, then please do hit us up on social. Okay, so shall we talk all things Johnson? Let's do it. Okay, so let's start with a little bit on sort of like vague like background stuff. So his first appearance was in Series 1, Episode 4, which was Mark Makes a Friend. And Johnson makes it all the way to the very end with his final appearance being Series 9, Episode 6, the last episode, which is called Are We Going to Be Alright? So looking a little bit of information on Johnson, we can see that he was born, we don't have a birthday, but we can see he's born in 1973, which would make him 30. That um, seems really young. 
Yeah, when series one aired. And um, I was watching back some of the episodes um, over the past couple of days, and I noticed how physically he changed between that first episode. And if you think it was the best part of like 12, 13 years yeah. when it finally finished, how much, obviously, Pat and Joseph had changed, but that's about how much the character of Johnson had then changed by that point. Um, but 30 seems really young. I don't know whether it's because of the dynamic that he has with Mark at the beginning, but he's only like three, four years older than Mark. Yeah, if that, potentially. Yeah. He seems to be... I kind of think that suits him, though, like the high flyer, the the young achiever who's... Yeah, he's gone off to uni, like, gone hungry. straight into the city and, like, earning the big bucks as soon as he's, like, 22. Comes straight out as a graduate job and <laughs> yeah, high flying. I think that, that sort of fits him nicely. So we know, of course, he's um, a loan manager or, like, a senior loan manager who ends up managing at JLB. And, of course, uh, a certain Mark Corrigan takes uh, takes a shine to him. More than a shine. <laughs> yeah, so we're definitely going to get into to all of that. So where do we want to start, shall we? Why don't we talk about our um, general opinions of, Bon- of, yeah, let's uh, do it. of Johnson? So I think... I'll go first. <laughs> yeah, you go, you go for it. I, I think he is one of the best written characters in the show. Um, I think the way that um, and Patterson has been at like painstaking like telling us that he's a character, he's a character, he's a really well written character by Sam Bain and Jesse Armstrong, but the way that he is written and the way that his character changes as he goes from like this slightly like narcissistic, slightly well very narcissistic, slightly sort of like seems quite nuts quite early on in the way that if you think his first our first appearance of him is that scene with mark where he's doing the whole like like turkey fucker yeah stuff to him that's our first impression of him um and it doesn't really get he doesn't really become any more normal throughout throughout the time we see him the most normal we really see him is right at the end like when like when by the time he's then managing in the bank yeah he seems relatively just like steady um, yeah, even then we get flashes of like the old Johnson that come through. Oh, the way he speaks to Mark yeah. is like classic Johnson. But yeah, I think the way that he's written, I think the way he's portrayed is absolutely like incredible. I'm keen to separate his portrayal from the character for now, because I think we, we should talk about both. Yeah. So in terms as of like, as the character... I th- yeah, I th- again, I think I think he's absolutely brilliant. I think he is so different from the other characters that are then in that Mark and Jez are so plodding along throughout their lives. Not really, neither of them are particularly going anywhere. Mark ever so often feels like he is and then isn't. And Johnson is just so left field in comparison to that. Yeah, there's no one else like him on no. the show. Um, and I think that works. And if you throw in people like him, you throw in people like Superhands... Mm. It spices the show up a bit. Yeah, um, totally. And I think the way that, as a character, he changes from, like we said at the beginning, this narcissistic but but extremely driven high flyer. Yeah. To then, by the time we see him, sort of midway through the run of the show, and he's in his in quotes recession residence in this poxy little two up two down mid terrace house, working out with, like, and he seems like he's losing the plot. Yeah. Like that episode where he invites Mark Brown to do the uh, management consultancy, he really seems like he's losing the plot. And then 
it's a sort of a downward trajectory that he seems to be going on. Yeah. We then we then lose him. Yeah. And then he then comes back in, and we're like, oh, Johnson's back. He's and and you almost face. forget because he's not really written out. No. He does, we just don't see him for quite a long time. Yeah. And then he comes back in at the end of series nine, and we're thinking, oh yeah. So yeah, I think as you said, separate the portrayal from the actual character. Um, yeah. I think yeah, I think he's incredible. Yeah, I think just uh, he's. I want to use like the word exotic in a way because like he's got that weird like faux American accent yeah. that like he's just so different to everyone else like the the expressions he makes the way he talks the way he carries himself he almost presents himself as this like bulletproof superhero. He's almost then... caricaturish initially. Yes. Yeah, completely and agree. I think, and I'm struggling to think back to when I first watched the show as to what I thought of him. I'm watching. I'm watching it now having watched him and known him as a character for all these years, it's a bit harder to distinguish what I remember thinking of him. But if you think around that sort of time, you had a lot of other shows that were based in offices and you sort of had like the David Brent type character of this sort of like really out, not really out there, but slightly weird manager. And you're thinking, oh God, is this going to be another one of these? Yeah. Where he becomes like annoying. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, they, and thankfully they don't take him the Brent way. Well, and he didn't because he wasn't as major a character as Brent. Yeah, like he's, true. and this is something we'll probably touch on as we go through. He's not in as many episodes. Yes. as I think people think he probably is. Yes, very true. Um, although yeah, surprisingly few. Yeah, what was it? Eighteen. I think so. I think we looked. Yeah, oh, IMDb. So eighteen out of fifty-four. So he's in what? About a third. About a third of, of them. them. Yeah. But considering. And when we talked in uh, the episode which where we talked about the um, Dobby, Dobby Club quiz, yeah. we talked about the fact that Patterson, Joseph and, and Alan Johnson are sort of these cult figures now yes. for Peep Show fans. Very much. But actually he's not been in. If you, think, if you compare him to David Mitchell and uh, Robert Webb and people like Olivia Coleman and, and Matt King who are basically in near enough every episode and then he's a significant drop down. Yeah. Like, if you think after those three, mm. he's probably... For those four, sorry. He's probably the next character yeah, in terms yeah, of quantity of episodes. Right. And he's in a third of what those main characters yeah. are. But he's got this reputation. And he's got this reputation. And we're going to talk about why why it is. And, that, and there's big reasons. Yeah. Well, I think the thing with Johnson, like you were saying about how you uh, per- perceived him earlier on, there was so much front, so much ego, yeah. like so intrinsic to his character... But then as you go on and on and you see like, yeah, the recession residence, you see that this ego is built on this house of cards and you yeah. see actually the more you get to know him, there's the the alcoholism, we see a very unhealthy attitude towards women. There's like huge areas in his personality that are highly dysfunctional, yes, yeah. highly um, dislikable. Like there's a huge... Oh, like, he's ha- a huge, Yeah, there's huge character flaws like, with him. As a... As a as a person, yeah, he's awful. Yeah, there are some deep like psychological issues that yeah. are very unattractive to both relationships with women, relationships and... with people that he considers not to be on his level. Mark quite a lot of the time. Yeah, but if you think his relationship with Mark, which I know will go into greater detail with as we go on, so I won't sort of talk about that too much. But if you think the way he refers to like. I can get you a load of drones to, to sort this out. Like, yeah. His respect for anyone who's not on his level 
Yeah, it's like people not are a resource, yeah. not a. Yeah, like, he doesn't and there are means, there are like means to an end. Yeah, and like exactly. even like you said, especially with women, and yeah. he even does that whole like monologue to Jeremy, and he I think he says within that I don't like women, I yeah. don't like talking to them, I don't like this, I don't like this, but I do like some of the things they do. Yeah, like it's so misogynistic. Yeah, completely. And yet, despite that, he still managed to become. One of the most popular characters yes. in the show. Yeah, ridiculous. It's, uh, and like you say, we need to remember that he's actually only in about a third of the episodes, which makes his popularity like all the more impressive. Yeah, um, and I think if you ask the majority of people, I mean, we did ask people who their favourite Peep Show character was, and he won. Yeah, he won our uh, World Cup. Admittedly, we took out Mark and Jeremy and Sophie, I think, but he, he, he stormed to victory in that. But yeah, he's... He's not. A, he's not a nice guy. No. And in, but... in any way, there are there are certain redeemable features about him. I think the way he does over the whole run, the way he cares for Mark. Yeah, there he, are definitely he, redeeming qualities, yeah. but there are huge portions of his character that are yeah very um, shady or just oh, downright sure. wrong. <laughs> yeah, his approach to management is just off the wall. Off the it's, wall. Yeah, it's bonkers. Um, but I think the difference between him and Mark and Jeremy is we at least with Mark and Jeremy we have some element of a backstory. Yeah. So we see Mark Mark's parents. He he comes from a dysfunctional marriage. We know that Jeremy's dad left him. And yeah. His mum's their relationship is yeah, just bizarre. Yeah. But with with Johnson we don't have that. Yeah. We know that we that he had a wife. So presumably he's been married and is separated or divorced yeah. by the point we meet him and we can gather from some of the things he says that he possibly has a, a slightly negative view of women because he's possibly been cheated on or left. Yeah. Left. And that's um, then got really like deep yeah. in, like it's now ingrained into him and now he treats all women like pretty appallingly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like we say, he's still one of the most popular characters. And I think a lot of that comes down to the portrayal by Patterson Joseph. So now I think if we steer into what... Yeah. Patterson does that makes it so great what do you think that he brings I know you spoke about the writing being key which obviously it yeah. is like the, he's such a quotable character and the writing is obviously a huge part of that but at the same time his delivery his portrayal is and the evil. way he just switches into it and I, and I, I presume that the majority of people that are listening to us have heard Patterson speak whilst not in role if you haven't then keep listening because you're going to hear this here at the end <laughs> of this podcast but speaking to him you're just like you are such like a well-spoken sort yes. of Queen's English yeah like completely. so eloquent I'm not saying that Johnson as a character isn't eloquent, but his mannerisms are just so completely different from from the way that Patterson yeah. is. So I think that ability to complete a backstory in in his head, and again, Patterson will talk about this later, the way that he sort of imagined where Johnson's come from, what he's yeah. been through, what he's based on, the reason that he behaves in a certain way has just led to this complete like cult figure. Yeah, I, th- I think he does a remarkable job, to be honest. Like, it's one of those roles where I think, like, him and Superhands are like, I couldn't see anyone else do that role. Now. No! There are certain characters from certain things, like Alan Rickman as Snape in Harry Potter, and things like, person is so ingrained Intrinsically in he- linked to that, per- that Yeah, role. and I think it was just, like, the perfect casting, and he does so much. Like, it's such a testament to Hibbs. Uh, his acting ability and all the nuances that he brings to the character that I think 
helped build it like writing only gets you so far and i think his then portrayal of it is then like another foundation and it's like right we now we know he can do this let's write it this way and then see what he does to this and you go on you build and build and build and then it becomes this incredible thing and i think the difference between patterson joseph and some of the other actors is this wasn't his breakout role patterson had done a lot of shakespeare Yes. A lot of Shakespeare. And he'd been in, like you said, The Green Wing. He'd been in been in a few other mainstream... So so the, the, the writers and the producers sort of knew what he was able to do. But this, I'm imagining, was so far removed from anything he'd previously done. Yes. It was probably quite fun for him. Yeah. To actually um, be yeah, like... Yeah, we, we talked to him a little bit about that. Yeah. So perhaps uh, we'll let... Um, Patterson explain that to everyone as well. But yeah, you're definitely right. Like, the, those characters... Going from... for Going from like, being, like, Othello and those sort of sh- yeah. those sort of things to then, like, doing Tai Chi and, like, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and these sort of, like, ridiculous... Then writing business proposals in your dressing gown. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Patterson, when we actually... When he talked to people at the at the Dobby Club quiz, said, he's like, I'm not a funny guy. He's like, the way... That- he says that, but then... Oh, he yeah, he's had us cracking up. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, But uh, I think he is very at pains to say Sam and Jesse are the... They, the credit goes to them for Johnson rather than for him because of the way that but, he's written. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's obviously going to be a huge part of it, but I think equally his delivery is you can't have a character like him form the fan base that he has and, like you say, the cult status almost without having both the great writing and then actually following through with that. Like they could have given me that writing and then like, it wouldn't have been the same like so it, it's absolutely I think he's just being a bit modest um, yeah, which is which is more uh, uh, even more admirable but I think it's definitely because I think a lot of what makes Johnson great is his mannerisms just as much as the, the yeah. words that he comes out with it's the it's delivery isn't it like, yeah it's yeah. that like I said earlier that sort of fake sort of American twang that comes out of yeah. seemingly nowhere it's the the little facial expressions he, he pulls it's the the way he carries himself like i say it all comes together to create this seemingly like bullshit superhero that someone like mark then latches onto and actually buys into like the like the dream johnson like the the character but i think what makes that more interesting is that mark seems to be the only person that we really see interacting with johnson consistently who buys into the bullshit. So like, Jeremy hates him. Yeah. <laughs> so- Sophie doesn't like him. And he doesn't no. like Sophie. Jeff, I don't really think we have enough of a indication. Although Jeff follows him to the bank. So presumably... And they go on the night out together and in Kettering. Yes, I suppose. So they've I got think some there's, sort there's of enough for there. Yeah. Big Sue's obviously loves him, then hates him. So Mark consistently is the only person who falls for the bullshit. Or at least initially, there is obviously that that phase there where we do eventually see sort of see the cracks in the armor. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, has Daddy's hat fallen yeah. off? Um, <laughs> Daddy's <and> hat. <laughs> yeah, and we see like the the trouble with alcohol rears its head um, more than once, um, and we see a slightly wilder side to him when that sort of occasionally rears its head, um, especially when the business isn't going well. We see him, like I said earlier, in his recession residence, um, and we see a slightly more humbled side of him, then a little bit more down on his luck, but he's still always trying to 
the chat's always still yeah. there. They're oh, like, that, come that's on, like nothing. Go. Yeah, nothing's impossible, sort of thing. But you do see him slightly. Yeah. Downhearted a bit there. Just a quick point on the recession residents. Do we ever see his non-recession residents? Yes, I because I was wondering whether perhaps this was always yeah his where home. he always lived. But he does host his New Year's party, doesn't he? End of series seven, I think. But that's before and... the recession residents. That's after the recession residents. Yeah. It? So we don't know whether he lived in somewhere else. Before, what I mean is the way that when Mark's walking up to the house, it's very much, oh, flipping heck, this is where Johnson's ended up. Yeah. But, but actually, has he always lived in that? Yeah, potentially. Um, and then Consultio slash Consultius has obviously gone on to big and better things because <laughs> he's ended up in this massive house yeah, that quite, we see yeah, at his nice New Year's house. party. And as another great moment I find was um, when Mark reveals early on that he may have those feelings for yeah. him. There's that moment where Johnson's that the American sort of twang slips away. Yes. And we get a very yeah. we get Patterson Joseph's like normal voice come in, and I feel like that is deliberate. Like he's he's caught off guard, and the mask. Oh, he says the whole away. like I'm a businessman. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. very, very not Johnson, but it's it's very well done in that moment. And I, I think a great example of Patterson Joseph understanding the character well enough to be like, he's so caught off guard here that the yeah. the bullshit front slips away. Yeah. But then he's very quick again to be like, I'm out of here, like whatever. Yeah. Like, we then see him next and it's business as usual. This might be a good point to delve into some of these relationships that maybe talk a little bit about him and Mark's yeah let's yeah let's dive into his relationship I think we should first talk about we both touched on briefly although we don't know a huge amount of it there seems to be an ex-wife yeah there's been a Mrs Johnson that he uh, that he references several times Um, so when I think this is a a big line to that would be in series 6 like when the consultio slash consultius thing comes up um, they start business together and he turns to Mark and says because I think Mark goes to make the bed. Or Mark something, does make the bed. Yeah, and Johnson. And he's like, "Did you make the him. bed?" Yeah, and he says, "You're not my wife, Mark. I had a wife. I don't need another bullet in their head." So very clear. He he's got a wife or had a wife, um, and then very early on, he makes the um, he asks Mark like, "After all, like women, I mean, does a balance sheet ever come crying and saying that it needs some time to think about things? Uh, a business doesn't say it loves you, then run off with a buddy." We can interpret that. This ex-wife has had an affair. Done the dirty on him. Yeah, done a runner on him, left him stranded. Um, and I can imagine any Johnson relationship ending is an absolute catastrophe. Yeah. Like, I can imagine Johnson is like... But maybe that's why he's thrown himself so much into business, because he's just very much gone, business is my wife now. Like, I'm married yeah. I'm married to the role, not the... Yeah, I can't be doing with women, and the and the reason he comes across as so misogynistic and and sexist, yeah, it's just maybe maybe because he's hurting Tom, yeah, maybe because he's hurting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> poor poor Alan, um, and then I wondered whether perhaps um, his alcoholism could have perhaps seen um, a breakdown in the relationship. I mean, I think there's a reference to him being an alcoholic for fifteen years, isn't it? Yeah, and if he's thirty when the when he yeah. arrives. He's clearly battled alcohol for, and we're working on the basis all that his twenties just gone sober. Yeah, because so this could go all the way back to a teenager. Yeah. To, to be honest, um, so I could definitely see that being a, a, a catalyst for yeah. a relationship breakdown. 
But yeah, we don't get too many details of an ex-wife, but I think it's important to note that there definitely was there. And then, like you say, from there, business, 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 he's just like thrown himself fully into it. Like, he seems to have um, a bit of an addictive personality, which is quite common in alcoholics, but then he's then thrown himself from like one vice to another. And I suppose it's a bit, like it's a healthier one, business, although his attitude towards it is quite... No, it's unhealthy. Um, yeah, like Darwinian to the most extreme, to the point where he will crawl over the corpses well, I think of his co-workers. Atti- I think his attitude to life is Darwinian. Yes, very much. And we'll, talk, we'll touch on that as we get through, because his attitude towards people like Gerard is... Yeah, he lives by the dog-eat-dog, dog, like yeah. it's like a mantra. Yeah, yeah. and that's and, and do you know what? There's nothing wrong with that, to an to extent. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, yeah, definitely something we need to get into. So um, the main relationship I think we need to talk about is Mark. I think it's a really interesting relationship that they have. It's never an equal relationship at any point. No. The only point at which it becomes close to being an equal relationship is where Johnson needs Mark. But again, that's not equal on a on a on a natural sense. It's Mark jo, uh, Johnson needs Mark's money to be able to get this consultio. Yeah, I think he gives Mark the impression that it's partners. Yeah. Like even Stevens, but actually already from the go Johnson sets himself as I'm the front man well even on the cards his name is in big writing and Mark's name is in small writing underneath ah oh, that's brilliant yeah. I hadn't even noticed no. that but um, yeah that's prime like Johnson's the front man of the, the band if you want to make it yeah. and Mark's just like he's playing rhythm yeah, yeah and he's just like it's the we need him sweating facts and shit and stats like yeah. Mark Mark's gonna do the, the like the, the labour behind labor. it all and Johnson will take the glory will sell it and yeah take the credit for and that's it. and that's where actually they work as quite a good team because yeah. Mark Mark as we've seen can't get up and present yeah <laughs> like Mark is awful at, in every situation where we see where he has to present to people he can't do it whereas Johnson can Johnson's got the gift of the gab yes and um, spades and Mark has got the actual ability to come up with a decent sounding side, yeah. aside from project zeus where yeah. that's a car crash but they, they work well in tandem but they're not an, they're not an equal partnership no um no way so the relationship sort of stems right back to johnson's first appearance doesn't it where within the first scene that we see johnson and mark in together johnson has already managed to win mark over to the point where mark is declaring his love for him yeah he's in mark is instantly besotted I am. It's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just and throughout that episode where Mark then talks to um, Johnson and says like I might have a bit of a thing going with Sophie, and Johnson goes off on the whole spiel about like yeah. Well, my advice is keep it a little. Yeah. I mean, take a look at her, mate. Take a good hard look at her. What do you see? What do you actually see in her compared to say a supermodel like Giselle or any of the other supermodels? She's. I think she's very pretty. Come on, look at her ass. Is that the best ass you're ever gonna get? Do you stick on that ass? Come on, admit it. She's got a fat ass. Say it. Well, she's. Maybe it is a bit nice, but in a sense. Look, if we're gonna do this, it's just you and me. No stress buster mini breaks, no women. Just us, uh, a pile of Chinese food, and a couple of uh, fuck-off spreadsheets. Oh, yes, take me, Johnson, I'm yours. Yeah. Mark's, like, orgasming in his internal yeah. monologue. <laughs> like, yeah. he's so quick to to just fall for him. Yeah, and Johnson is one of the few, other than 
the countless women he does it for. But with Johnson, Johnson's he his will, one. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Mark will throw away all of his beliefs and opinions to appease Johnson, which yeah. is something normally he only does with women. Yeah. He's quite um, willing to tell Jez and Hans and other people to He's fuck willing off, like, to move to Cardiff yeah. for Johnson after within that episode. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's... And that might span over a couple of days, but Johnson's already got into him so much, in the figurative sense, that like he's gonna he's gonna up sticks, sell his flat. Yeah. And and move just because one bloke who probably thinks he's a piece of shit on his shoe <laughs> tells him to. Uh, it's, 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 it's a bizarre relationship right from the beginning, um, and I wondered, having watched like through more of the episodes to drag out the best of Johnson, Mark's character becomes less and less wacky, and I'm not suggesting that by him having gay feelings makes him wacky, but like I wonder whether if Johnson had been introduced in series five whether it would have been as realistic for mark to have those sort of feelings towards yeah towards him because it, it's sort of looking back at it the way that plays out and it goes from him being like yeah i'm chasing after sophie to all of a sudden i'm in love with you like yeah if we'd had that and, like, three or buying four gay year. porn and imagining like yeah. it's johnson's head on on like the guy's body and all of this sort of stuff yeah i think if we'd had that three or four year sophie chase then Johnson arrives that, and then yeah. he questions his sexuality. I feel like that would, yeah, that would be too too jarring. Whereas early days when Mark's, even Mark as a main character is still a bit more of a mystery. I know obviously people go, people can be married and have kids yeah. and then turn gay. And that's but... not what we're trying to say. But I think in, in the reality of the show, it would have come across as even more bizarre had it been like four series in, Mark had been chasing Sophie and then... This, this, but I think the way that the writers had developed Mark as a character had completely changed. Like I think in series one they were still figuring him out, and Mark is the sort of person. And I think he says it that was like it would be gay and suppress it even to himself. Yes. Um, and I think further along the line he would have done. I think if yeah. he'd known him a bit better, he probably would have suppressed those sort of feelings towards Johnson. So yeah, Mark struggles with those feelings, has to do uh, quite a bit to keep them, try to keep them under control, or at least towards the end. I mean, he does, like you say, he does get the, the, the gay porn, although he doesn't get very far, does he? he no, but he the fact he's to... gone to buy it in the first place is quite yeah. a statement. He does, be, I suppose, yeah, he does begin to explore that potential. The guy gets his but cock it's... out, yeah. or starts rubbing his <laughs> cock, like, he gets quite a way into yeah. it. It's not like he buys the, looks at the front of it, and then it's like, nah, not for me. Yeah. Like, he gets as far as watching it and imagining Johnson is on that guy. Yeah. Like, is, is, the, is the face of the guy. I do wonder if Jez hadn't outed him yeah. so soon, how long Mark would have continued yeah. to seriously consider those feelings. Because then Johnson's sort of obviously taken aback. He back. just cuts him out, doesn't he? Yeah, and then it's like, oh, oh no, I'm... I'm Mr. Businessman, like, we want to be business yeah. bros. And then Mark's like, oh, like, okay, there's no chance of it happening. I might as well, I might as well suck I'm it not gay anyway. for anybody else, I'm just gay for Johnson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the whole way through, Johnson's horrible to him. Yeah, he's very... He's, he's charming very to him at points where he needs him to do what he wants. But, yeah. he, but he's, he's very much the dominant person in their relationship all the way through. If you think even into, like, series four with Project Zeus. Yeah. And he's just like... All right, this weekend, the JLB conference in Kettering. I'm planning to unleash Project Zeus. Project Zeus? You will not be informed of the meaning of Project Zeus until the time is right for you to know the meaning of Project Zeus. Oh, 
Right. I do sort of like it when he's rude to me. Hopefully that's more a psychological defect than a weird sexual thing. Okay, now is the time for you to know the meaning of Project Zeus. The meaning of Project Zeus is, why can't marketing be an arm of sales? It's that power, yeah. that control over him. And Mark even says, I do sort of like it when he's rude to me. Yeah, but when you say Johnson, you're right in that he is like terrible towards Mark, but there are instances where he quite clearly takes him under his wing in terms yeah. of business. He trusts Mark to do Project Zeus. He trusts him to do flying to Frankfurt and yeah. doing the, the presentation. He trusts and, him to go to Aberdeen. And comes to check on him when he's not well. Like, that's a boss. Like, can you imagine ringing up your boss? Even if, you'd, even if like, your flatmate had locked you in yeah. your bedroom. I know this is, like, so hypothetical. But, like, even if your, if your flatmate had locked you in your bedroom, would your first thought be, I'm going to ring my boss? And, yeah, Mark and Johnson comes out. Yeah. Probably, like, middle of the night to free him. So he definitely, there is definitely that, that caring element to him. And when he thinks, albeit wrongly, that Mark is an alcoholic... He takes yeah, it very seriously. Yeah, he really seriously, does have a caring approach to it. Uses his own life experience. He knows what the, you know alcoholism can do. Takes him to the AA meetings. Is very caring. Has like the hand on the oh, knee. That it's all very is incredible. It is all very funny. Yes, but he clearly cares about him a tremendous amount. He does seem to genuinely see Mark as his little project. project. Yeah, yeah. As like perhaps one day he can. Yeah, like you say, a project. Like, can I? I want to build Mark. But it's up. strange that he. That he sees that because Mark gives him no reason to ever have confidence in him. Like Mark basically has to pre well pretends that he's an alcoholic. Like Johnson yeah. treats him as an alcoholic. He then shits himself so he can't go to Frankfurt. <laughs> he then messes up Project Zeus. Although Johnson does shaft him with Project Zeus, he throws like this ridiculous idea. We'll get onto this in the actual episode, but he but throws this ridiculous idea at him and then just says, "You work it out. We've got a board meeting in a week." But Mark does nothing to actually try and sort it out, does he? Until right at the last minute. Yeah. Mark's yeah. a dick in the build-up to the yeah. meeting. But then so is Johnson. They're as bad as each other in, in that regard. There's no way you put a business proposal like that together in a week. And so to put it on Mark, and like he says... like, And Mark if, even if says, we, like, a thousand reasons, yeah. also none. <laughs> and Johnson says... And that's why I've booked you and me in for a presentation to the board. I'll leave the details up to you. But if you persuade them, we co-manage a new super department. And if we fail, well, you're the junior guy, you take the bullet. Christ. Exactly. So, uh, you're gonna need a team. I'll assign you some slave drones. Milk them till they're dead. We just need them sweating facts and shitting stats for us till D-Day. Okay. Okay. And if we succeed, I'm gonna be Charles, and you'll be my Camilla. I'm going to be Johnson's queen. If the public will accept me, I'm gonna be Johnson's queen. And that's what I mean, that's the whole place. way through, there's never an equal partnership. And despite him caring a great deal about him in some regards, he is very quick to just kick him to the curb whenever yeah. it suits Johnson, whenever yeah. there's something for, for him to gain. And even like when they have the, the business meeting with the guys in the Mexican restaurant when Mark's working there, and Johnson doesn't know he's working there, and the second he finds out, he's just like, we're you done. You do the fucking like, off again, it's a nice cold picture of Bud. <laughs> yeah, and although he then comes back to Mark afterwards, it just seems very cold to just be like, we're done. Well, I'm presuming that, that that's never really unpicked as to why he comes crawling back to Mark, is it? Perhaps he was just acting. 
and just wanted to look big in front of the clients. Or perhaps they were asking him questions that he didn't know the answer to because Mark is actually the brains behind the operation. Yeah, actually, that seems far more likely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's just, yeah, it's just a very bizarre relationship considering the starting point is Mark basically being, basically telling Johnson that he's gay or that thinks he might be gay for him. That immediately sets a weird dynamic for a professional relationship, which, let's remember, is all it is. Like, they would never have met if they if they weren't within the same company. It's all one big power game from Johnson the whole way through. Yeah. Project Zeus is basically, yeah, you're the junior guy, you take the bullet. Johnson must know Project Zeus is never going to work. Um, I don't know, I feel like Johnson's Or is he just so deluded? Little, yeah, I think he's yeah. in his own little planet, and he worries, let other people... Like, he thinks himself, I'm the ideas man, I'll get other people to make it happen, but actually his ideas are sometimes really shit, and there's like, there's no foresight, there is a reason you have (laughs) different departments doing different things, and like, you're living in fairyland if you think you can just smash them all together. But even like, so then, and with the, like you said, with the consultio consultius thing, that's a very like, unequal partnership. He needs Mark as a means to an end, but doesn't really respect Mark as an equal. And then the power the power just even continues right through to that New Year's episode. If you think Johnson comes in, he's like, oh, like, nothing wrong with having a sniff. He's like sniffing the glass of champagne. Yeah. And his next is like, more for you, asshole. Yeah. Like, straight, like everything with Johnson to Mark, right to the last episode where he, yeah. he's like, sacks Mark from the bank. Yeah. Everything is just, it's not one-upmanship. It's just exerting control. Yeah, and the second that Mark is underperforming at the bank, it's just like, right, we're done then. Yeah. Like, there's very there's, little there's... Um, like empathy or... Or sentimentality. Sen- sentimentality, like, yeah, yeah. Like, nostalgia back to when they, they, they used to be good good friends, but... Yeah. But when they first um, reacquaint themselves after all that time, and Mark says something, he's like, Johnson, like, he refers to him as, like, old friend or old pal or old buddy, or, like, that's that sort of thing. And Johnson goes straight in with... Hey, 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 Marco. How are you going, good buddy? Yeah, great, actually, old pal. Really? I thought you might be feeling like a guy who's just walked into a high-class restaurant with a sausage dog on the end of his dick. Uh, no. I got something up on my visual display unit this morning, Mark. I thought it was a high-definition photo of some dog shit. Then I took a closer look and I realised it was actually your sales record. Oh, Right. I pull strings to get you in, Mark. If you look like a sausage dog fucker, then I look like a sausage dog fucker. It just it just never really balances itself out. And you know it's not going to. No. Because otherwise we wouldn't have been introduced to them as this the disparity in their relationship. Because you know right from Mark makes a friend mm. that they're not going to... Mark's chasing and Mark's always aspiring to be... Yeah, throughout Johnson. the whole show, he's always, yeah, chasing. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Okay. Anything well, else to add on the on the Mark relationship? I feel like we've been quite comprehensive with that. Yeah, I think we have. <laughs> so let's move on to his other uh, big relationship, and this is actually a romantic one, and that is in Big Sue's. His only romantic relationship we see, isn't it? Yes. Which starts in quite an unusual way with him propositioning Jeremy. Hi there, can I come in? Uh, no. Nice room. Here, have a drink. So... That's a great piece of real estate you're there. A mighty fine piece of ass. What? Big Sue's? In business, Jeremy, you learn that every man has his price, and I judge yours to be £530. What? I'm not going to beat around the bush, Jeremy. I want to make you a real-life, indecent proposal. 
an indecent proposal. I want to sleep with your girlfriend, Jeremy. But I don't like playing the game with women. I don't like listening to them. I don't like talking to them. But I do like some of the things they do. So... 530 pounds to sleep with Big Sue's? That's my indecent proposal. It certainly is an indecent proposal. You have a property of which I wish to make a use. Is that so very different from hiring a solicitor or leasing out a Spanish villa? Well, it is a bit different, because you'd be putting your dick right... What's your answer, Jeremy? Maybe you could finger her for 300. I'm not going to bargain with you, Jeremy. He obviously thinks I'm some sort of scag addict bedroom DJ who can be bought off. But no one's going to give me a medal for saying no. I am pretty broke and... Okay, it's a deal. So this happens, uh, they get together in Conference, which is Series 4, Episode 2. Um, and you're right, their coming together is um, not exactly a romantic tale for the ages, is it? No, and even the way, and I discussed this earlier about his misogyny, like, the way he talks about, like, oh, I don't like what women do. Uh, sorry, I, I don't like talking to them, I don't like listening to them, but I do like some of the things they do. Presumably, I don't know how he's managed to charm Suze into anything more than a quick one-night stand. Like, I can get why that's happened. Yeah. Like, she's got, like, he literally says, Suze came around to give me a piece of her mind and ended up giving me a piece of her ass. Yeah. Like, which is one of my favourite Johnson quotes. <laughs> um, but you can you can see why that happens. Like, everyone has, like, an every, everyone has had an argument and then, yeah. like, had sex afterwards. Like, yeah. that, that happens. Like, and they're both passionate people. But I can't imagine how he has managed to charm her long term. Yeah, I wonder, do we think this is like a routine Johnson does where he goes to the boyfriend? It's mental if he does. It. <laughs> but it, it works. And obviously, we only see it one time. But I kind of wouldn't put it past Johnson. Like, to have the audacity to walk into a room and just be like, hey, like, he offers Jez like his own drink. Yeah. And he's like, look. I'm but would he have done to that it. to Mark? I mean, he thinks Sophie's got a fat ass. He wouldn't have gone, he wouldn't have gone near Sophie. And he thinks Dobby's a flanimal slash manimal. Mark would have probably let him do it, yeah. Mark could Mark would have like paid him. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like the, the, the I know he's a very confident and charismatic guy, but the, the confidence he goes in with with Jeremy hints to me that perhaps this isn't the first time he's done it. And the whole, like, every guy has a has his price. And then comes a very, like, specific amount. It just feels like there's so, it's not just a, oh, here's £1,000. But he's, does he just target the weak? So, like, he doesn't know Jeremy. He knows he's an idiot. Yeah, he knows and imagine Mark in the car on journeys spouting how yeah. annoyed he is by Jeremy. But, yeah, the whole way that he manages to get Big Sue's here... I mean, entirely of Jeremy's doing. Johnson's misogynistic. Yeah. But if Jeremy is stupid enough to put himself in the position, then he's sort of asking for it. I'm not suggesting that what Johnson does is right. Yeah, Jeremy's his own enemy. He sets it up for Johnson. Yeah. yeah and I don't think any part of him thought that Sue's actually go to him. Yeah, it's it's just, yeah, Jeremy's an idiot. Like the whole How does Sue's find out where Johnson lives? Question number one. Oh, that's a good point. She she turned up to give her a piece of his mind. Yeah, that's a very good point. But either she's way, she's gone they, to some effort there. Yeah, she's, she's tra- tracked, tracked him, him down. down. And this is before the days of like, so it's like and get the phone book out. He's ex director. <laughs> he's definitely ex director. Like, yeah, that's bizarre. I didn't really hadn't really that thought just suddenly came into my mind yeah, as we were discussing it. Um, well, I just thought that the 
episode of conference isn't actually the first time they meet though is it because they've they, they meet the shrooming won't they yeah they very quick yeah very briefly come across each other then but i suppose mark's pooing is taking center stage and sue's like is and sue's interesting and sue's a sue's off her tits on shrooms yeah and also she's just about to she's meant to be going to just about to have sex with jeremy yeah so it's a bit of a bizarre one for both of them but i can't imagine them as compatible in a relationship and clearly they're not because they last for like yeah they're, well they're by the time we by the time we see them they're again. on and off again throughout the series like a couple of times by the start of series five so they get together series four episode two and by the start of series five Things have already come to an end because she tells Jeremy in episode one that her and Johnson are over, claiming he's looking for someone more subservient yeah. on the internet, which again buys into that. But then they're still living together because when Mark goes round to do the consultio consultius, I think that's they're then back together because that's not until that's series, like series six. six. Yeah, so. and then they're still obviously on off in series seven. seven when they have the new year's parties they're having separate ones because they're yeah they're very much not together. in their own houses which are much bigger yeah and then by the end of that though johnson arrives at her party that's when he does the drinks the champagne more yeah. for you asshole and then his first thing is to go Zeus, and he's like trying to like get his way through the crowd to find yeah. her and i'm i'm guessing, guessing by that point they are very much oh if they've both got separate houses that are much bigger than yeah, where Johnson would, was living before. I think they were done there. They were done. But he's, what we can gather from him, a bit of Dutch courage, he's making he's, a beeline for he's her. He's going to declare some sort of feelings yeah. for her. But then, I don't think we ever see after that, I don't think there's any reference to them again when Johnson comes back in Series 9. We don't, Suze doesn't come back in Series 9, does she? Not that I recall, and there's no, no it's all reference. about it's all about Megan and Joe with Jeremy. Yeah, nine, isn't it? So we never see whether he was successful that that fateful night. No, I don't think she's referenced by him. No, whilst we see him, him in the bank. So it's an an interesting an interesting on and off bit of a Ross and Rachel. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think the fact that they the the way in which they got together yeah. was bizarre, and then I think it was obviously very she. If you think her relationship path went from Jeremy to Stu to potentially being interested in Mark to then and, Johnson. And well, she was sort of with Jez again before Johnson but, but, throws but, it away. But as types. Yeah. Of, of, of uh, yeah, see what you mean. Like, there's no. Couldn't be. F- yeah. All of them are all ends of. Like, the Jer- Jeremy and Johnson are the opposite ends yeah. of, of a spectrum. Maybe Johnson is the sort of person she needs. Like she even says, like he's an alpha, and you're. And you're what what does she refer to Jeremy as? She's like you're very much a bottom. bottom feeder. I think a bottom feeder, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I get that that is he's confident. He's and women successful. like that. Like women like like confident. Confidence goes so far. Yeah. With with with, with women, I'm talking as though I'm the yeah. <laughs> the expert. But like so many like women you talk to are just like. You don't have to be the best looking guy in the world. You don't have to have the most money. If you come over to me... Got confidence, and actually, got chat, yeah. charisma. And he's and got Johnson's all those... got that in bucket loads. Yeah, and despite all his glaring character flaws... but the, and, and the fact that he has actually gone to... That Johnson's had the balls. I know it's a really misogynistic thing that he's done. But if he's had the balls to actually go to another man's girlfriend... Uh, to go to another man and said, 
I want to shag your girlfriend. <laughs> There's probably an element of Sue's being like, well, he wants me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's willing to pay, but she'd be like, what? Only £530? Uh, yeah. And we've talked a bit about how Sue's is quite simple yeah. in terms of how she reacts to things. I mean, she quite rightly is outraged when Jeremy tries to make the tough sell on I wonder what Johnson, Johnson said to her when he got her, when he when she got to his house yeah. where we de- where they ended up then sleeping together I think they're of course right to not show that though and leave that to the imagination Oh yeah absolutely but yeah. he must have uh, his silver tongued devil that oh, Johnson yeah. but I can very much it, it's not out of character for Sue's to be swayed by someone because Jez we see Jez sway her yeah. and convince her of things we see you know, Mark nearly gets there and quite easily manipulates her. Yeah. So she is very susceptible to men who can dominate and like alpha males, like we said. Yeah. So it's big stupid the... posher. That's what yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. But they seem to when they move into the recession residence, although they're living together, we c- already done. see that. Yeah, they are pretty much done. They in opposite ends of the house. Suze makes comments about like. Tell him, like, won't even say his name. And she's talking about the fact that John, when Jez then speaks to Suze slightly later on, he's then talking about the fact she's Johnson's gone around writing his name on yeah. all of the oranges. Yeah, getting very territorial, very yeah. tit for tat, very yeah. spiteful. Yeah, it's very much. This is a relationship that is all. It isn't breaking down. It has already broken down, and they're just perhaps together because it's the recession residence and but like, what more can they do but, it, but she's not struggling with the recession issue let's face it um we see that relationship just completely at breaking point and i don't get why if it's just johnson's house why she doesn't go because that relationship like you said isn't one that is like we'll try we'll try we'll try they're gone and Johnson yeah. Johnson is ruthless. The scythe is remorseless. Yeah. Like can... once once you're done, you're done. Like yeah. well, there's no coming back from it. I've decided you are not worthy of my time. I want someone yeah. more subservient. Although you say that he does then try one more time with the, the New Year's Eve parties. But that's desperation, isn't it, I think, by that point. And seeing that she is obviously she's still having a good time. Like, yeah, and I think actually, so they have this like party off. And it's sort of accepted that Suze has the better party. So she's yeah. actually, she's won one over on him. And perhaps he's like, oh, someone's actually got the better of me. She I can see that like being, being yeah. a turn on for Johnson, even though I imagine it hurt his pride. Yeah. But I can see some psychological defect working it's there. Like where big, it's, like, it's like big multinational companies buying another multinational company to like monopolise the market, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like Facebook buying, <laughs> like buying WhatsApp or something. Yeah. So yeah, it's a shame that we don't really see from there how it goes, but we guess it just fizzles out. I'm almost. guessing it's done from the New Year's party. I'm guessing when we see Johnson at the end of Series 9, yeah, there's no Sue's. We don't see Sue's in Series 9. Perhaps it's just that um, she could have done with Sophie Winkleman has just gone like too big time. Oh, she's, she's a royal. She's married a royal, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. So perhaps that was part of it. Perhaps she would have been in. She would have been a good one to see to have a swan song. Yeah, I think um, so. Bringing Johnson back was perfect. Um, I don't think you'd have wanted any more Johnson in that last series. He wouldn't have fitted in. There was no place for him other than in the role he had right at the end. He's in basically... it for, through the series because. 
uh, Mark gets a job at the bank in episode one. But it, but not but Johnson's nowhere near as prominent, is he? Like, no, he, he, he features every time Mark's at work. Yeah. But in terms of the general, like he was going around to Mark's house. He was. Yeah. They were going out for a drink. Like, he rarely impacts the plot. Yeah. yeah. He's there. Nine. He's yeah. there. But he's not. The, the the plot wouldn't have changed in series nine with April and with Joe and Megan mm. if it wasn't for Johnson. Support for podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Europe. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. So why do you need Manscaped's Lawnmower 4.0? Well, we've all got our own nightmare grooming stories about shaving our nether regions. Whether it's Nick's cuts and grazes or an unfortunate tale involving hair removal cream, it can seem like you're always a moment away from disaster. Not with the Lawnmower 4.0. After using it myself, it really does make a massive difference. It's quick, easy to use, and most importantly, I felt safe while using it. With the Lawnmower 4.0, Manscaped have engineered the ultimate groin trimmer, with their advanced skin-safe technology making you confident to shave your boys. So, if you're like Mark and are worried about your testicles looking abnormal, the Lawnmower 4.0 can give you the confidence to do something about it and make your balls feel like a million dollars. So go on, start shaving your testicles like it's the most natural thing in the world, and get 20% off and free shipping with the code PEEP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PEEP. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. So speaking of plot points then, perhaps we pick out some of his key phases or, yep. or plot areas in the show. So I think the first one is obviously going to be his introduction. And we talked in series one, episode four of Mark Makes a Friend. We talked at length about his introduction to the show and how perfect it was. Him joining JLB, I think we should definitely get into that. We first see him, they're doing that role play exercise, yeah. aren't they? And Johnson is very much a guy who has come in and is leading some form of training session. But we presume they're not they're not at JLB in London, are they? We presume because we, they're at, they're at the hotel, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I think he then gives Mark a lift back. Yes, that's right. So I, th- I presume we presumed. I think when we talked about this back in whenever it was back in December, um, that that was um, in Kettering. Yeah, potentially. So they have hired Johnson in as some sort of business expert. So already, he's not joined JLB yet, but clearly he's in a position of he's respected, well-known in his field. And considering he's not been hired by them, or if he is hired by JLB, he's not within this section. He's come in, he's given some quite left-field ways of dealing with things. Like He's not come in and just been like basic management techniques he's coming in and giving it giving it some real welly <laughs> yeah and we don't even know that this is a training exercise to begin with we can only see mark and johnson and we think right is this mark like applying for a loan himself or something like we're still like not even like it's early days for knowing mark yet yeah we get this little role play where he starts talking about so mr corrigan we've examined your loan application and i just have one question for you are you a pathetic, worthless punk? Uh, well, no. All right. Because I'm going to turn you down as if you were a hippie parasite. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, I like it. And then I'm going to make you feel like you're a turkey fucker. Why? Because I'm the big man and you're a shit heel, right? Brilliant. That is just so spot on. Or I could treat Mr. Corrigan like a valued and respected customer and we'd both end up winners. And you think, good God, like what on earth is going on here? And then we get the reveal where the camera pans. It's like, right, okay, there's an audience. And the way he rubs off on the rest of the people that are clearly watching it, they don't like him. When they're talking slightly later on in the series, or possibly even the beginning of series two, when they're talking about going to Aberdeen, is that the beginning of series two? I think it's the beginning of series two, and when it's the alcoholism episode. Yes. Um, and they're all watching Johnson. Where, where Mark does this whole, like, I've got a hunch and I always trust my hunches yeah. type thing. Like, Johnson, then you can see Jeff and Sophie are very much looking at him in this, like, don't really know how to take you. This is starting to wear. This is starting to wear. Like, for yeah. a, a one-off training session, it was, oh, whoa, check out this guy. But, yeah, perhaps working with him every day is too much. And we don't really see Johnson's day-to-day management style, do we? No, we never seem to do any work. <laughs> no, he comes in. He turns in. up, does a dazzling speech and... Fucks off. Yeah. <laughs> but Mark is instantly under his spell. Um, and then at the beginning of series two, um, so by dance class, um, he is officially joining JLB as a manager. So in the space of three episodes, he, they've, they've, they've got seen... him on board. Yeah, yeah, so JLB have seen enough in him to be like, right, you're the guy that we need to yeah. shake up things. We're going to bring you in. Um, and obviously we talked about this at the time as well, but the fact they have a party for him joining... Yeah, clearly... He, he's they... obviously a big name wherever he's come from. Yeah. It's obviously a bit of a coup that they've signed him. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know of any... Perhaps it was just different back then, but in work environments I've been in, we've never had a, a work party for someone joining. No. Mark's probably organised this, didn't he? <laughs> Maybe. Um, and yeah, so they have this big party, and right from the go, you think... Any normal person would be taken aback and be quite humbled by that. But that's not the Johnson way. He comes in and just goes, right, like, I'm not here to fuck about. Like, we're going to get straight into it. And what this department needs is a kick up the arse so hard, my foot will go right up your digestive tract and wiggle out your mouth like a little leather tongue. And it's just like, whoa, okay, like, we're hitting the ground running. But that's sometimes what you need. You sometimes, if they're an underperforming company, which they may well be, I mean, they, they go bust, like... yeah. True. They're clearly not doing great. If they're an underperforming company, then maybe they do need someone just to go in and be like, give them a bit of the hairdryer treatment and go in and actually yeah. give them a kick up the arse. Like, there's no point beating around the bush. You're doing a shit job. But actually, we see, we clearly see that he doesn't have any impact because no, I guess they not. go bust. They go under and one of the extended scenes that we actually see from series three... Um, is him doing the presentation that him and Mark should have been doing in, in Frankfurt. Yes. And he does a pitch to the the big dogs from JLB and he posts the, well, Gerard posts the um, the sales figures. Yes, by mistake. First mention of Gerard, by the way, because we don't otherwise see Gerard in Series 3, do we? No, we don't see him for a little while. Um, but we we see the the sales figures just taking this absolute <laughs> nosedive, which Johnson does a really good job of saving, and he's just like things uh, have to, to go down to go back up. Yeah, like, to an extent, he puts a spin on it, I guess. But um, yeah, we can actually see that perhaps yeah, Johnson isn't the like you were saying earlier. He's the front. We talked about how he's the front man, but Mark's actually the one that he needs to actually get real yeah. things done. He's the ideas man, but if the idea is shit. 
no one can you can't get enough slave drones to make your shit idea good yeah right? it's only yeah. as good as the brief you give yeah and it's 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 the idea yeah you can't you can have the best captain in the world but if you put them onto a ship that's already sinking yeah they're not going to save it you can you can put like like Jose Mourinho in charge of <laughs> Crawley Town <laughs> no offence to anyone who might support Crawley Town they're not going to win the Champions League just because they've got yeah. somebody who can who can organise them mm. So, speaking of that then, so JLB, you're right, do go under, and then that brings us to our next sort of Johnson phase, and that is the recession residence. So, Johnson clearly doesn't do enough to, to help anyone, and when JLB go under, he just abandons the UK that team. That scene where he leaves is just awful. Yeah, he just, like, the last beamer out of Saigon. And, I don't, like... and we don't really ever really know how big the size of JLB as a conglomerate is, but we know they've got at least three or four bases. So they've got obviously got a London base, a Kettering base, Aberdeen, Aberdeen Frankfurt. So, they're, yeah, they're international. They're an international company, and I don't think we realised at that point how senior Johnson is. I presumed... Until then, he's a manager within JLB, even within the the UK, even within the yeah. UK office. But it turns out from the way he behaves, then he's at like the head of. I think JLB he's worked his UK. way up by yeah. that time. Yeah, because um, that's in he, series. That's the six. end of series. Is it series six or series five? I think it's the first episode of series six where, where he just gets the job. Where and he, it all yeah, goes. he comes in, he's just like, "You're going to be hearing some rumours." <laughs> Yeah. Um, but Stefan Strauss and the other guys from Frankfurt. <laughs> yeah. And Johnson is very quick to abandon all the UK heads and just cling to Stefan Strauss yes. because it's the UK are closing, but the the Frankfurt office that they're closing it to save the, mo- the mothership. He knows that I need to stick with Stefan for my survival here. And when and he comes he's... back to the UK, well, we presume he goes out to Frankfurt. When he comes back to the UK, when Mark's doing the JLB Survivors Party, yeah, he's very much like it's me and Stefan, yeah. and you guys are the troublemakers, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, so that's p- pretty despicable behaviour, really. <laughs> like, yeah, it's very cold, is what it is. And but but talks, Johnson's cold the whole. That way is through. his business. It's survival of the fittest, yeah. and it's that thing of like. Even from day one, he tells Mark that story about the two mountain climbers. Let me tell you a little story, Mark. It's about a pair of mountain climbers. Well, one's climbing the mountain. The other one's injured, weak, unhealthy, clinging to the first guy's leg. Uh-huh, interesting. So the first guy has a choice, right? Let his pal cling on and they're both yak food. Or shake him off and make it to the top. Solo. And he does. He just cuts that rope, yeah. and all the Joey UK falls guys to the ground. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like he will try. Even though, ironically, perhaps he's the guy clinging onto Stefan Strauss's rope. But unfortunately, or fortunately for Johnson, he's strong enough to yeah he's... not get shaken off by 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 the big dogs. And like you said, he's obviously clearly worked his way up to be really senior in JLB. Yeah. I think it's quite is is well written the way it's done, and it's a really interesting character development to see how he changes from then to then yeah. seeing him in his recession residence. And I think one of uh, our listeners touched on this on Twitter, where they basically said like the way he's developed from being, in our eyes, this big business guru, and in Mark's eyes, more importantly, this big business guru, mm. to then seeing him sitting in his dressing gown with an unmade bed. Uh, yeah, I think the removing 
having him not in a suit yeah. is a big deal. It's yeah. taken the armour away. Yeah, and you've taken away all of the things that made Johnson powerful. He's got no suit. He's not in an office. He's not driving a Beamer. Yeah. He's not even like little things like he's not wearing his black gloves. He's not walking <laughs> yeah. around with a briefcase. You see him at his weakest. Yeah, you see it's him, pretty You powerful. see him at his vun- most vulnerable. And he can't do things. Like he's he's talking about plugging the printer in. He can't work out to plug the printer in. Yeah, it seems he's not very good at coping with small, real-life, like, oh, yeah. mundane yeah. things. Because he's always got other people to do those things for him. But it really surprises me that him and Suze actually managed to live a normal life because they talk about her earlier on, that she doesn't know how to live a normal life. Because Mar- Jez says it makes a comment about, she's posh, she doesn't understand these yeah. sort of things. Yeah, you do wonder how together they survive. Yeah, they're just <laughs> the most egotistical, like snobby couple you'll ever meet mm. um, but I think it's an inc- it's a really good development of Johnson at that point because you just see him and you just think we're getting the same old Johnson spiel and the same old little like um, Windows Vista he's still giving it all that chat yeah. and as soon as you put him back in a suit and he's yeah. presenting to uh, is it Colin and Naz I think the guy's name is oh, that's good the, 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 guy, the guy's um, that he sales direct um, he's immediately back to his old self yeah with all the projections and and everything that he needs but he's clearly lost his like pizzazz it's yeah very humbling for him and it's nice like you say it's a great character arc for him to we he's already he's very quickly already built up and then we he's broken down yeah and then we we never really see him down from the moment we meet him at the he's beginning of the first series, already. he's already at the top. Yeah. So there's only one way down for him. But you sort of think it's not going to happen, but it needs to happen. He needed humbling. Because oh, otherwise yeah. he's I mean, just... He deserves a... it. Otherwise yeah. he wouldn't like him. Yeah. I think if we'd got to the end of series nine and he'd still been this whole way through, I'm going to basically batter my way through to be king... I don't think he'd have the same yeah, sort of Yeah, true, like, actually. Because you do, you, you root for him. You want him to get and back And he slips there. up and you see him, whilst whilst what makes him funny quite a lot of the time is how Darwinian he is, and actually a lot of the quotes that you sort of like, and we'll talk about this, sort of our favourite Johnson lines at the end, but a lot of the things that he says, the reason we, we reasons we remember him are because of, if you if you look like a sausage dog fucker, I look like a sausage dog fucker, and all this sort of yeah. stuff. Actually... Everyone needs to be fallible. Yes. And otherwise, like, the reason we love Mark and Jez is because they are fallible. Yeah. Yeah, and So Johnson needs to be in... Uh, he needs to be weak at some point. Yeah. But yeah. only for one or two episodes. That's all he needs to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he then, then does, like you say, he gets built back up again. And in the final series, we see him back on top where he's working at the bank. Um, he's climbed the corporate ladder once again, and he appears to be some form of bank manager. And I feel like this is where Johnson belongs. He belongs in the dog-eat-dog world of finance, yeah. even though perhaps it's not, you know, the stock exchange. No, it's and I his... wonder whether what what he's gone down to is a bit of a step down from what he was at. Because I feel like a credit agency, where he was the head of a UK branch of a credit agency, to just being, a, I think, just a bank manager. But, like... Of a local branch. That wa- and that wasn't even like... And I know... I don't know how Channel 4 worked it with the names of banks and stuff. And I, and I couldn't tell you what the name of that bank was that they work at. But it's not like it's a Santander or a... Yeah. Or a big, like, Halifax 
yeah. type bank. It's like a metro type level. It's like a yeah. it's like a local bank. Yeah, um, true. And I, I perhaps I wonder then whether that is because after the humbling, he just wants to be big fish in a little pond. Yeah, that's where he thrives. Stroke his own ego yeah. for a bit, help him build himself back up again. Perhaps it's as as simple as that. But yeah, he's back on top, um, which is... Like I said, I think we're, we're rooting for him to get, to get back there. Um, and he brings Mark into the fold, because obviously Mark's not working either after the JLB collapse, and he, Mark goes through that little phase of, like, what does he want to do? Does he want to do the history stuff? But he eventually comes back into finance himself. Johnson brings him on board, which again speaks... He's getting like, the band back together, isn't he? Because yeah. Jeff goes... But Mark's the first person that Johnson thinks of yeah. when he's like, we need someone. So, right, I know a guy. And he brings Mark in. Yeah. But then it all goes it all goes wrong. And as we said earlier, Johnson is very ruthless. And when he sees that Mark's sales record isn't up to scratch, he's it's very much he's been ready. too busy giving shitty loans to Jeremy. Yes. Which is a, a great scene. The, the firing of Mark is, yeah. is an incredible scene. It's, it brings us... It's a great moment in the... the because it's the last episode of the show, we needed one more Johnsonism. Hey, Alan, what's up, Captain? What's the skinny on the dope? Good morning, Mr. Corrigan. Mr. Corrigan? Do I smell corporate lube? Am I about to get organisationally fucked? Is that Baker from Regional? What, what, what is this, Alan? I'm sorry, Mark. You've just stepped into the arena naked. In a matter of seconds, wild beasts are going to fly to your delicate areas and tear you to shreds. But can't you do anything? I'm sorry, Mark, you're contaminated. You're the astronaut with typhoid, and I'm going to stand well back while you're fired out of the airlock. And we're just, I think as an audience, we're like, ah, good. Like, Johnson's here. Yeah, we, we got another, we got him, that's his last yeah. rant type and, thing. And because he's the power figure within the whole of Peep Show, he almost needed to be the one to chop Mark down. Yeah, if anyone was going to do it in a, in a heartbeat, yeah, it, w- it would be Johnson. Um, yeah. So, I thought what might be quite fun to do would be to think of where Johnson might be now. What do you think? Who any, he, who any says ideas? he's not still at the bank? We he could be. The I feel like he would treat the bank as a stepping stone, though. I think it was like... I think it might just be an ego boost, like I say. Big fish, small pond. I think he's got bigger aims. I feel like he's either had a mental breakdown <laughs> and just gone... Because I didn't realise how young he was until we started recording this episode. Yeah. Um, so he's either had a mental breakdown. Because let's face it, if he's done all of this, he's been divorced and had a long-term relationship go kaput, lost everything, ended up in a recession residence, been part of a company that's gone bust. Yeah. Failed to set up another company. He's gone through quite a lot in his relatively... Totally. ...short life. I feel like he would like to see himself as a Wolf of Wall Street type figure. <laughs> yeah. I think he would have that very Hollywood uh, outlook of the finance game and I can imagine yeah. that's what attracted him to it so I think he will chase that as and long as he can keep going. Do you think he realises that nothing he's done has been successful though? Because like the whole point of the Wolf of Wall Street and uh, Jordan Belfort. Belfort is like he made a success Yes, it all yeah. came crumbling down. It all went wrong for him in his personal life. Yeah. But, like, Johnson's never really achieved anything. No, and I think Peep Show is is about underachievers. Yeah, yeah. We and go... Johnson's our biggest achiever, really, isn't he? Like, he's the power figure. Yeah, and, he's and really even he, it. yeah, crumbles. Um, I, think, I don't really think there are any 
six genuinely successful characters in the show. I don't know. Superhand sets up his own moped for Macedonia. <laughs> well, we don't know if yeah. he does or not. That's what he goes off to. Yeah, he knows. I think it's... Um... I, I think... I, I like to think that he's probably made a success. That he's maybe gone on not necessarily... He might still be within the same bank. He might just be slightly higher up. I can't imagine him ever settling down with a woman. No. I think by the end of it, he's uh, set in his ways. Yeah. Um, I can imagine him... I'd love to have thought that he'd have written, like, a business book. Yes. Um, and there's actually a a scene on YouTube, which I'll share when this episode drops, and I couldn't tell initially whether it was Patterson or whether it was Patterson playing Johnson. Okay. Like, it's like a black and white clip where he talks about how he's publishing this book called, like, Get It Now, or, like, You Need Everything Now type. I can't think what the exact title is, but... That oh, okay. is this sort of like man- like management business management book that he's writing, and it's really difficult to tell because of the way that Patterson's talking as to whether he's meant to be saying it as Patterson or whether he's meant to be saying it as Johnson. Oh, okay. So I'll drop I'll drop it on the social media channels when we release this episode yeah. and see what you think. Yeah, that'd be so I've not seen that. So I'd quite like the idea that he'd then gone on to maybe do like not management consultancy because I don't think he's the right person to do management consultancy. No, he's not well, the sort we, of person see... to do like improvement, is he? He can't no. go in, he can't work out how to improve a failure. Well, we team. see he trains Mark, doesn't he, in ten seconds. He says In, fire thirty percent of the workforce, new logo, boom, out. You are now a fully trained management consultant. But I'd like to think that he did like inspirational speaking or something like that. Or did yeah. like a TED talk or like Yeah, and this yeah. is what we talked to Patterson about briefly yeah. where we said, I have this wonderful dream where Johnson is thriving right now and is doing inspirational business TED Talks and he has hundreds of people queuing in. And Facebook to getting take... along to come and do that. Like G7 have got him coming along <laughs> and doing like yeah, That's my blue sky dream for Johnson because ultimately, even though he's an arsehole, you, you want him to he's make it. Arsehole. Yeah, he's <laughs> our arsehole. Um, so that would be my dream. I would, I would love to see him do a TED talk. I think that would make her. That would have been a, a cool way. Uh, no, maybe that that would have been too good to have it end that way. We can't have any truly happy endings no. for characters in Peep Show. So I think it's better for to be a dream of mine, perhaps. Well, let us know what you think. Drop us a message or tweet us or. Totally. Yeah, like, we definitely want to hear where you guys think Johnson would be now. We've heard Patterson's thoughts. You'll hear Patterson's thoughts shortly. Yeah, definitely. So speaking, yeah, of uh, of your guys' opinions, we went out and we asked you guys what you think of, of Johnson on social, and I've collected some of the the better ones. Separated <laughs> the wheat from the chaff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the side is remorseless. Um so I thought I'd read some of them out and Rob can get your, your thoughts on them. So on Reddit, we've got uh, Zombies Ate My Pizza, who says, I think this subreddit unanimously loves Johnson as a character. It's great that Peep Show puts so much effort into supporting char- uh, into supporting characters, giving them their own character development, etc. And Johnson is certainly no exception there. I think that's a very good point, actually. They put a lot of effort into... The supporting cast. And we talked about this at the beginning of this episode, that, like, he is the fifth character. Mm. And he's in a third of the episodes that the four main characters are in. Yeah. But he's a very, very well-developed character. Considering he's in the echelons of Dobby and 
not Sophie. Sophie's a bigger character than him. But people like Dobby is probably in nearly as many episodes as Johnson's in. Yeah. Um, and and she comes in halfway through the show. Yeah. Um, and she's nowhere near as developed. Mm. We know little to nothing about Dobby. And then someone like Johnson, we feel like we know him. But I think it's it's testament to how how like the um, zombies ate my pizza said <laughs> that we do have this feeling and opinion towards him because of the way that Sam and Jesse have written him. Yeah, and it says a lot that he's gone from introduced in episode four and he makes it all the way to the end. Yeah, even though like you say, not many appearances. And I wonder whether they this... thought he would. He's a big actor for the for the level that Peep Show was when they first started. Yeah. Mitchell and Webb weren't massive names. No. Olivia Coleman wasn't. And none of... The majority of the other characters within the show... Yeah. I think with the exception of Patterson and with, obviously, with, with David and Robert... Yeah. And Olivia. this the, A lot of them, this is their defining role. But I think I think that's a testament to the way that, the way that they write. And whether they thought that Johnson would make it all the way to Series 9. And in the interview that Patterson did before Series 9 came out, he seemed almost slightly surprised that he was asked to come back to do Series 9. Well, yeah, there's no need for him to come back. But there's a... It's the a swan song again, from, Yeah, and yeah. he gets a, a good one. And Peep Show had... Peep Show was mainstream by this point. Yeah. Like, by the time we got Series 9, we're talking, what, four years ago? Yeah, and they had a break, didn't they? Between yeah. eight and nine, there was a few years. Olivia break. Coleman was like absolutely like global. Yeah, like Mitchell and Webb were massive. Yeah, it could very easily have been that people wouldn't didn't want to come back for it. So I think it's a testament. Like you said, he didn't need to come back. There's no need to have Johnson in that last series, but we wanted uh, him. Yeah, and you would, and it would have always. We're still asking questions about what we thought had happened to him now we saw him in episode 906 imagine if we'd only seen him at the end of series 8 yeah very true so good shout zombies in my pizza (laughs) yeah absolutely so moving on to Sean Wright on Twitter he says I think he does want the best for his employees from a business perspective but he does step over the line outside of work example is when he offers the money to buy big Sue's off Jeremy and he says his favourite quote is hey I'm just a doctor I didn't make the I love that up, quote that's which... one of my favourite quotes yeah and shout out to Sean right he is incredibly active on all our social media pages so I'll give him a shout out he's always bigging us up on Twitter shout out Sean always getting involved with any questions we're, we're launching so shout out Sean we love you Sean uh, yeah, a very good point. I think we sort of touched on some of... We've talked quite a bit about the proposition, uh, the indecent proposal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're bang on the money there, Sean. So nice one. Cheers for getting in touch. Then we've got Shaz on Twitter as well. My favourite aspect of Johnson is Mark's vision of him versus the actual reality. The way he's seen as the business god when actually he just runs a credit management office. Probably best summed up by the... So, this is Johnson's recession residence. This is what I just want to touch on earlier. Which is no doubt his permanent yeah. house. Oh, okay. So, you feel quite... I'm not convinced by that, personally. But I think that the point of the vision of him versus the reality is absolutely... Yes, he's not Bill Gates, is character. he? Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he is just a... When we meet him for the first few series, he is just a cog within a much bigger machine. He's not the top dog at JLB. Yeah, Johnson, like Mark thinks that he is. Yeah. Uh, and then they add, 
And of course, when Mark does realise that he's gone a bit nuts, it's absolutely hilarious. But the whole image of him up until that point is just hysterical, which is, yes, very true. Then we've got Ross J. Anderson. Seeing Johnson be the strong BMW driving hero we all love to a broken man in his home, office, slash bedroom, and struggling to find the bigger scissors was genius. Yeah, more... Uh, That's a similar point to what Shaz was saying. Yeah, the, the recession home uh, is, a, yeah, like we say, very important. On to Will Southworth, who says that Johnson's eulogy at Gerard's funeral <laughs> is one of the greatest moments we really in the whole that. of Pink <laughs> Show. So brutal, so Johnson. Remember, kids, the scythe is remorseless. Good advice there, Will. And then Liam Fitz says, a realistic bit eccentric character in the early series but soon became a caricature of himself still a great character even then and his favorite quote is can you put a lid on On the the squid squid. and then finally we've got philip on twitter who says i like how johnson stays supportive to mark over the years despite all of that was going on and of course it's mostly for johnson's personal benefits but it's still quite nice which yeah very true we talked about how he sort of uses and abuses Okay, I thought perhaps we'd run through, we had some of our fans' favourite lines. Have you got any personal favourites? I know you're a fan of the Doctor and the Needle. I am, and that's always my go-to go-to line as soon as I've uh, got some Johnson ones. I've made a list of them on my phone, so I'm just going just gonna to whack them up and then we'll, uh, we can talk Rattle about them. Rattle through them. I think one of them, aside from, yeah, aside from the one we just sort of talked about, is the, um, the whole... He's got several in the alcoholic episode. Yeah. So the whole like um, I've been down to the bottom of the bottle, and all the way back to the top. Yeah. Um, is a cracking line. Um, the the and again at the end of that episode, that whole like pour me, pour me, pour me another drink. That's a personal favorite. Yeah, of mine. I think it's always his, and it's his delivery is like um, until you put a plug in the jug. Yeah. Like, he's got so many good lines in in that particular episode. Totally. Um, just scrolling through my notes, I quite like the. Um, it's not so much a line, it's just a scene. Hi, Alan, you wanted to talk about... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm... Don't be alarm, Mark, it's just Tai Chi. Take a seat and I'll just power through. Should take 45 minutes, I'm done in 10. Stick that up your dojo. Uh, I've got to agree with uh, Will from Twitter. The, the scythe is remorseless. The whole Gerard eulogy is like peak Johnson. When it, he does the whole thing about the, this this little guy and this little it box. Is the most inappropriate eulogy speech I think I've ever uh, seen. It is so, so bad. And so long for how bad it is and how inappropriate it is. What's the other awful part of that? He says something about it's like... My first memory of this great little guy in the big old box here was when Gerard's cheeky little face poked round my door at JLB. <laughs> he was sniffing around for a raise that, given what I don't think anyone would mind me saying, were his very limited attributes. was <laughs> bloody outrageous. Look, nothing can make today all right. But maybe we can take some comfort from the brutal reality that the weak must make way for the strong. Evolution marches on. The scythe is remorseless. I hope the side's remorseless swing can bring some comfort to you all. Yeah, I think it's not even so much like when we talked about Tony's best lines, we talked about like one line that she says. Some of Johnson's are just like the whole scene that he's in. 
Uh, uh, personal, uh, the obvious one from um, the conference one is that if we succeed, I'm going to be Charles and you're yeah. going to be my Camilla, which I think is only helped by the like cupping of Mark's face, like the, the touching yeah. of his cheek, which uh, makes that brilliant. A slightly more left field one, perhaps it isn't as uh, regularly quoted, but I'm a big fan of when they're in the recession residence setting up the consultio slash consultius. And he asks Mark for the two grand, and it's got to be in cash. Got to be cash, yeah. Cash. When the banks collapse, the stud holding cash is going to get a lot of blowjobs. Know what I mean? <laughs> and it's just that delivery of it uh, that gets me every time. Uh, show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser. I was about to say you can always you can always tell how good a quote is by whether there's a meme made out of it, and like just looking up Johnson memes. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, very true. Um, and then again from the conference, uh, I'll assign you some slave drones. Welcome to the dead. All we need is them to be sweating facts and shitting stats until D Day. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've we've uh, got through enough. Unless you got uh, any more that you want to throw in, you got one last one. I think I think you've hit most of the main <laughs> ones. I think I think every time we um, can have a ten minute compilation. Yeah, probably. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I think the 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 scene where he comes into the flat. Um, and does the uh, have a pizza, have a drink, fuck each other? Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> fuck a chicken. Fuck a chicken. <laughs> fuck a horse. Watch a chicken fucking. I watch a chicken fucking a horse. I'm serious. You think the guys have uh, found a Google sat around watching Trumpton all day? Yeah. Oh, Mark's like, oh, he is very good. <laughs> <laughs> Semi incomprehensible bullshit. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the moment you've all been waiting for. I'm sure. Thank you all for patiently listening, um, but let's jump into our chat with Patterson, shall we? We warn you, this was recorded over Skype, so the quality won't be quite as good as it is right now, but it's more than clear enough, I think, for what we need, so we hope you don't mind. I'm sure you won't, as we've got the, the great man himself on the line. We also just want to take a moment to thank Patterson again for taking the time to speak to us busy man um and took a little while for us to, to get a date and a time that worked um so we really appreciate the time that you took to to sit down and have a chat with us absolute pleasure patson's a top bloke and really great chance and good fun to chat everything johnson and his experiences um working on the show so let's get into it then shall we there we go we're up and running okay well well, yeah, thank you very much for taking the time to, to join us. Um, we really appreciate it. You're um, very, very welcome. The <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, once I'd established the... that you weren't in a, bo- a bathroom somewhere, just the <laughs> I exactly. thought it was okay to then you do some stuff that. with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I suppose one of the first things is that obviously Alan Johnson is quite a character. <laughs> and, um, you know... <laughs> In sort of your earlier career, you did quite a lot of theatre work, and we know that you did things like Othello and King Lear and Hamlet and things like that. So just how is it to go from those sorts of, you know, those Shakespeare roles to to Alan Johnson? What was that like? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sorry, the question is so um, perfect, because actually at the time I happened to be uh, doing Othello when I was asked to audition for Alan Johnson. Now, what was strange about that was I was in Manchester and we had decided to do a production where it was sort of Edwardian, really, in some ways. But my co-star was uh, Alan, uh, Andy Serkis. 
So Andy and I, I Andy and I created this sort of militaristic world, and we both grew these quite bushy moustaches. And so when, <laughs> when I was auditioning, I couldn't shave the moustache off because it was part of the play, it was part of the look, and it became a thing where five years later, I couldn't remember whether the script had the uh, Mark wants to grow a moustache like Johnson thing in it, or whether I brought the moustache and they worked around it. I cannot remember. I'm convinced it was them, but it's very coincidental if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great. great I mean, it was a it was a mighty it was a mighty task. If you watch that first one, it's a mighty tash. Some of the other ones I've sort of um, got false ones on because I'm doing a play or I'm shooting something where I've got to be clean shaven. But mo- that first one um, in uh, series uh, one, episode four, I think it is, uh, when you first meet Alan Johnson, that's my that's my stage moustache. <laughs> oh, well, where, where Mark gradually grows his through the rest of the episode. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah very much inspired. <laughs> Okay, that's interesting. That's a question when you get hold of them. You could ask Sam and Jesse whether they were inspired by the actual moustache they saw in the screen test (laughs) or whether it was actually already in the story. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Um, so when you were sort of you were cast as Johnson, were there any sort of inspirations for him? Do you know of like the origins of his character or did you perhaps help shape him in any way? Another interesting question. These are great. Um, I think that they created the character. (laughs) <laughs> because they were explaining to me at one point, I said he's a bit outlandish, and they said, well, he's, this is Sam and Jesse, they say, well, he's based on someone a friend of ours works with in the city, who'd come up and ah, go, um, I don't know, what's your level of swearing that you can do on this show? You go, oh, you it's, not a, it's not category A, this is like sort of C or D. No, that's minor. You, you can go for <laughs> he it. He said, well, we could always re-record it. He said, um he would come out, this boss of theirs, and talk to his open plan office. All right, well, you're not doing very well. Come on, you wankers, get on with it. And then he'd go back into his office. <laughs> and and um, they, didn't, they didn't do the voice for me. They didn't do the voice for me, but I could just tell the kind of sleazy, sort of mid-Atlantic <laughs> twang that this person might have had. And I didn't quite catch it in the first one because it was all sort of new. But uh, by the time I did sort of the third series, I kind of got that sort of, you know, you know, Frank Fort, he's going to talk like that in a kind of American style, um, because that was something that <laughs> I felt he was always trying to go towards, as if he was somebody who had done a lot of seminars in California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that came, back with, came back with the American model, but didn't quite catch it because he's from Hertfordshire, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I can imagine Johnson doing like a TED talk or something. I think that would be. Oh brilliant. fuck <laughs> me! I mean, you know what? Oh sorry, but I was I was literally thinking the other day. I want to ask Sam and Jessica because I've longed, and my greatest respect, apart from with for ballet dancers who work the hardest of anybody I know in the uh, sort of performing arts. Um, I my respect for comics is through the roof. Because you're literally going out there going, I'm funny, this is going to make you laugh, to a group of absolute strangers. And I think it's one of the most terrifying, foolish things anybody could ever do. But I'd love to do it with some great material behind me. And I was thinking about an Alan Johnson one-man show where I basically play Alan and um, I do a sort of TED talk about, you know, succeeding and winning. 
And I, I just think it might, it might a bit, a bit like the loads of money character it might be quite a nice thing to do. So I will ask them at some point. Oh, be incredible. We'd be there to buy a ticket. So. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be, uh, yeah, I think that would go down really well, actually. Yeah, I'd yeah, love that. that. I'd love that. Yeah. And so just how, like how much fun was it to play him? Because obviously he's so sort of just out there in like, so many sort of aspects. And did, did you feel like you had to, did you sort of take the method approach to acting? Did you try and stay in character? <laughs> or? Such a fun... No, no, no. Method has nothing to do with anything in comedy. Um, I don't think anybody in comedy would ever dream of um, doing method on anything because it just doesn't work. I think that, I think you, you, the looseness that you need for whatever happens in the room, you know, like Mark Heat rubbing his bum on my desk in Green Wing, you don't, you know, you can't plan that. You're not going to be taught that at drama school, how to react to <laughs> somebody coming with a piccolo, no trousers and, and dancing. <laughs> and you know, you just have to react in that moment. And if you're, if you're methoding, often I've found that people who do method are kind of closed off to what's actually happening in the room, you know. And um, okay. so to be a, to be a bit um, technical with it. But I, I also think that uh, Johnson was naturally written as a character who had no conscience. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and, a, and a character <laughs> who lacks empathy. Oh yeah, and and, and also the, the funny thing about Johnson is he's he's quite smart, but he's also really thick. So um, because he just he's got a blind side to what's actually the effect of the things he's saying. You know, when he talks to the the, the guys in the room before he makes the indecent proposal to Rob uh, about uh, Big Sue's. <laughs> he, his, yeah. his his pep talk and I won't go into it because it's absolutely filthy and there's no part of it that I can say without it being even dirtier than anything else I've said so far <laughs> there, there is something about his his drive his motivational drive which is brilliant but what he actually says is so outrageous and uh, a mouth-wateringly painful and I just I wonder if the guys knew that and wrote him so extreme so that I would get it so that there wouldn't be a, a doubt because you could fall between two stools you can imagine you know yeah we talked quite a lot about how Jeremy sort of just and, and Superhand there's quite a lot of sort of pseudo intellectual stuff they say but then Johnson sort of like pseudo managed bullshit one yeah. word but yes, the difference yes. is that people actually they listen to Johnson as well and even yeah. though like some of it Johnson's sort of king of like saying a lot but not actually saying all that much that's like when he's brilliant doing some of these speeches that's yeah. a brilliant way of describing but, it i mean yeah. I, I remember talking to the brilliant um uh, comic and actually dramatic actor um, you know matthew bainton he was talking about um going to do clown work in france where you basically have to discover your clown which all sounds a bit esoteric but actually just about what's funny about you not the thing you think is funny about you actually but the thing that people are really laughing at <laughs> which is quite painful if you think about it and uh, he discovered his in quite a painful way and I wonder if mine isn't actually you know being that pompous that the clown that is Johnson is a sort of pompous man who speaks with a voice of great authority and says absolute nonsense if you break it down <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he's a bit of a like, like John Cleese you know like he, he plays those pompous or used to play those I'm a man of authority. I've got all the suits and ties and the school ties, and I I sound as if I should be running the country. But what I'm saying is gobbledygook. You know. Yeah. yeah. It's an old the thing is, a lot of people, people they lap it up. Like we watch Mark in episodes, and he's like, "Oh yes, yeah, that's right." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so obviously we when we sort of researching we looked at um olivia coleman's character sophie was obviously going to have her own internal model um how do you think johnson's internal monologue would have gone if he'd been allowed to have one um <laughs> i don't think i don't think i don't think it would have changed from everything he said out loud <laughs> i think that yes. was, I, I mean, that's to be honest he's got no filter is he <laughs> yeah yeah if you think about it Yes, it could seem like a trick, the inner voice thing, but but what's consistent about it is that it's in the it's in the um, in the voice of the two characters who are the least articulate about who they are and what they want. Everybody yeah. else just grabs whatever they want and says what they want and gets on with it. And these two are like us in the world, where we basically go, "Should I say that? I'm not sure if I should." But but every other character just says it. You know, would you go to bed with her? Would you want to sleep with that? You know, that's something that Johnson would say without even batting an eyelid. Whereas everybody else would say, that's a bit gauche. I can't say that. It's rude. And I think that's why they have to have the voices and not everybody. I think everybody else's voices in it would confuse it. would make it confusing and not yeah. as funny. Yeah, and we, and we talked about that, didn't we, with how different Sophie would be as a character if we were hearing her in internal monologue at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it, 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 it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a sort of a moot point to make because they de- the, the character of Jez and Mark have been developed because they have got an internal monologue, which means we do have that way of being able to split what they're saying out loud and then yeah, it's it is what it is. Mm. Yeah, no, it's yeah, agreed. Um, and now we heard uh, well, so I don't know whether it was a rumor or not, but there was an ending for the third series which had Johnson killing himself but they scrapped <laughs> it um and then i saw an interview with yourself in the lead up to the final series in which you said that there was an idea of johnson leaving mark a suicide note that was like um, like mark i love you like sort of goodbye <laughs> and i i just wondered um sort of how whether you were much involved in that conversation and you know why the idea was scrapped and why you were perhaps going to bring it back for the final one but then didn't yeah, I, I don't um, I don't know how the guys were thinking about it because I only heard it third hand. I think probably from David Mitchell. I think um, the idea uh, was to give him a sort of spectacular ending. I don't know whether they had planned to end him early on, but anyway, they wanted to give him this sort of Marat Saad, you know, Marquis de Saad kind of in the bath with his hand, you know, kind of lolling over the bath and a, and a note. I think we've all, maybe all of us have seen that picture. But anyway, it's, it was a kind of dramatic, um, Byron-esque image <laughs> that they wanted to have, which is totally <laughs> in, in contrast to the relationship they had um, of a sort of love note. Going, I suppose, re, a sort of callback to the very first episode when there was a sort of strange homoerotic love that um, Mark was having for Johnson initially. Um, I don't know if you remember the backdoor barbecue. That would have been way too dark. That's what? Yeah, I, I think that would have been outrage as well if, if that had happened. It's such a dark, yeah. It's so yeah, so, such a such a, a move away from the rest of the show. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, no. I don't know whether whether at some point I've, I've never written a series, so I don't know. At some point, you just get bored <laughs> of how things are and just want to shake it up in a crazy way. But they didn't do it because I think they knew it wasn't true, as you just said, to the spirit of the show. In the same way that they didn't have anybody dying in the very end of the series, they didn't have. Well, they said they didn't have the main characters dying, you know, which would have been easy for Pecos, but you'd have felt weirdly robbed 
you know, in some ways. Well, it just ended exactly as it needed to end, didn't it? In a really sort of just melancholic, sort of an awful, <laughs> almost yeah, like a nothing end. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not only, scene, it's not just only exactly fools. where they start, sitting on the sofa. Exactly. It's not only Fools and Horses where, you know, they run off into the sunset millionaires. This is, this is, no, this is what happens to shit, fa- shit asses like these. They get left <laughs> shit asses all their lives. Great way of putting it. <laughs> we could go, let's see what they're like when they're 60. You know, what are they still, are they the old guys or are they actually slightly stranger or better than we would imagine? Be interesting to see if they survive that long. Yeah, so funny you said actually. So we we're just wondering what you think, um, like what would Johnson be up to now, do you think? So I think the last time we saw him, he was sort of the bank. Of, we talked about earlier whether he would be doing the TED Talks or whether he'd be sort of, you know, trying to make it as like the new Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> no, I've got a feeling that we could make up anything. But here's here's one just at the top of my head. I think Johnson would have realised that it was futile what he was trying to do. The business wasn't going to be the holy grail for him. But perhaps going back to his Alcoholics Anonymous meetings would be best. So he does, but he kind of catches religion and becomes a sort of itinerant preacher and a kind of um, apostle to all these churches that he creates around <laughs> the United Kingdom and becomes that a sort of messianic be figure. Becomes a sort of messianic figure. Oh, well. And then, yeah. Yeah, this is exactly <laughs> what I've been doing all along. This is what I been should have been using my massive charisma for all along. Uh, that's what I imagine. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. So you, we were sort of talking about how uh, sort of Peep Show ended. Um, obviously, there have been reports of the new American Peep Show being released with a, a female uh, co-lead. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, good on them. I can't wait to see it. I don't know what angle they'll choose because, you know, it's a very British trope to have two losers way older than they should be living together with um, sort of bummed out friends and uh strange bosses and who are a little bit um, unsure about what masculinity is and all the other things that are very British and we alone sort of seem to laugh at. And so I wonder what they'll find funny or what they have found funny in the future because it's, it's very... Yeah, British. I mean, we... Yeah, we in the UK, we we love an underdog and it, these are, you know, Mark and Jeremy, these two sorts of, you know, trying to make their way through the world mm. and... I, I don't know whether how it would translate for for the American or I mean yeah, you've done not be, uh, work in not, not, yeah not to be too deep but the thing about America is there's a you've got to separate the propaganda from the truth so the propaganda is always like we love the little guy the little fellow who makes it you know the little uh, leaguer who suddenly becomes you know the greatest baseball player in the world you know they love all that but actually in their politics they don't want to give anything to anybody unless they get up and get it themselves so there's there is a kind of um, I would say schizophrenia in their in their love of um, what they love, and actually, I'm not sure that they would laugh at a loser who doesn't deserve to win. And there's nothing about yeah. Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, think you really deserve a chance because you think you're a couple of arts holes, and you really don't deserve anything. And yet, you're kind of because you're British, sort of root for them because we're all like that in one way or another. And but I'm not sure that the Americans have that kind of sense in their humour. It's not a criticism, it's just an observation that it might not be as funny to them to have a loser who's a real loser. (laughs) 
and and a woman too so you know there's all sorts of cultural things that we don't understand that they might um reject and it's it, it's a gamble i think for them and i hope it works because it would yeah. be great to have another manifestation i'd love to see what johnson looks like as a woman or would i thought about that yet yeah it could be a nightmare <laughs> uh so just just to end then have we have we got just like well, one minute, one minute? Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah okay we were just wondering um what your sort of favorite sort of scenes and uh, and lines were whether it was to you know actually filming them or just watching back um i don't know i mean i don't i haven't watched it back but so um i really think that that the enjoyment was on the day because the guys were just really funny everybody was very funny olivia was, uh olivia was hilarious everybody was just funny and i it felt like um from you know, Rob, David, all of us giggled more than we actually worked, and I enjoyed every second of it. Brilliant! It, yeah, it looks like such a fun show to work on. Oh, it was the best. I still think it's the best TV fun I've ever had. And it was so brief. I only ever did one or two days every season, so it didn't tax me at all. And my my agent kept telling me to stop doing it because it was they felt it was so small. Um, not to offend my agent, but I realised that it was better than anybody could have imagined the more I did it um, and I'm glad that they recognise that too and a lot of people do um, I, I love it yeah no brilliant okay well thank you okay. very much for taking no, the time pleasure. to have a chat with us really really right. appreciate it no it's great real pleasure thank you right, thank you yeah thank bye. you very much okay, okay. thanks Patterson yeah no welcome thank bye you very now. much take care thank bye. you bye so there we are then. Thank you very much to Patterson for joining us once again. We really appreciate that. And thank you everyone for joining us as always. We'd love to hear what you guys think about Johnson too. So let us know in all the usual places, which I'll shout out shortly. And if you'd like us to continue with these sorts of character bio specials, then do let us know what you think. Feel free to let us know who you'd like to see covered next too. Now, we pulled out a massive guest for you guys today, and I actually couldn't believe it myself. I don't think, Rob, you could really believe no. that the first guest we had on this show was uh, was the big dog himself. When we got it done, <laughs> I think we were so happy that we'd managed to, to get Patterson. So if this episode isn't worthy of a review from you guys, then I'm not sure what is. And so, get us into that top five on the iTunes chart. Yeah, <laughs> so please do take just a moment to scroll down slightly, tap that review button and uh, leave us a little message to go with it because come on, man, like we got the big dog. Takes literally 30 seconds, makes a huge difference to the podcast, really helps Rob and I out, helps us reach a wider audience. Um, so go on, like, if you're not doing it for us, do it for Johnson, for God's sake, um, and, and show us a little bit of love. And uh, to let us know what you think, ask a question, all of that good stuff, you can email us at podcastsecretsofthepharaohs at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at podcastpharaohs, which is the where the majority of stuff uh, kicks off. So please do give us a follow there. And uh, while on Facebook, you can find us by searching Podcast Secrets of the Pharaohs. So tell all your mates that we've got Johnson on any Peep Show fans uh, give us a little recommendation because uh, this was a really good fun to put together feel really lucky to to have the chance to I don't think we thought when we started this that we would get cast members on no. let alone someone like Patterson so. just to get some interaction with them was a was a big deal to start with and now 
Yeah, and then to have him on and to, to talk things through. And then we had the chance to actually meet him face-to-face as well at the quiz, which was really nice. You know, thank him in person, have a little chat with him. He was very, like, very in demand, wasn't he, on that yeah. quiz night. But he took the time to... He put a lot of effort in to make sure he got around the room. Um, so top credit to Patterson. He's a, yeah, top bloke. So David and Robert, if you're listening... Yeah, come, come join us. <laughs> Uh, any last thoughts, Rob? No, I just think it's been this this whole um, Johnson episode has been a cracking one to talk about. I've enjoyed preparing for it, enjoyed talking about it, and it's exciting to finally, like, like we said, we've been sitting on this interview with Patterson for a fair while. So to actually get to the day where we can be like, yes, you can all hear this interview as well. Yeah, it's exciting. We are, yeah, we're really pleased to to get it done. So yeah, let us know what you think. Um, Show us a bit of love. Show Patterson some love as well. Definitely go check him out. You can find him at Ignatius Sancho. Yeah. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. Um, yeah, show him a bit of love. And um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. We will we'll leave it there, I think. Um, thank you very much for listening as always. And thank you for joining me, Rob. Don't be alarmed, Mark. It's just Tai Chi. Mm-hmm.